Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, Jessica Jones has brought home Marvel's first Emmy. Ben Barnes is cast in a sizable role for the Punisher solo series. Guardians of the Galaxy 2's cast has praised the upcoming film as bigger and better than the original. And a rumored synopsis for the Infinity War film is making the rounds on the internet. Plus, after all that, we'll be discussing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, Episode 1, the big premiere called The Ghost. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matt Carroll. And I am Jeff Randall. Welcome in, everyone. Welcome in. We are here to discuss the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's Season 3 of the podcast starts tonight. Is that what we're calling it now? I'm, I'm just I'm just blatantly calling it that right All now. All right. Seasons it is. <laughs> it, it's like seasons, you know, seasons yeah. of the TV show. This is our third season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we've covered. So I feel like, you know. Well, third, third season, season we've covered three. live. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like in the mo- well, not live, but as it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fresh content. And fresh. I'm loving it so far, but more on that in a minute. Fresh, hot, small content. Have you? No, no, this is not <laughs> Crystal Burger content, sir. <laughs> Oh, man. So, have you heard? Jessica Jones won the Creative Arts Emmy for Outstanding Original Main Title Theme Music. That's cool. Is that the first Emmy for the MCU? That is the first Emmy for the MCU. I'm surprised I haven't got anything for, like, effects or something for uh, Agents ah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s effects are pretty damn good sometimes. Sometimes. I would say tonight, or the, the premiere episode, had some really damn good ones. Yeah. More absolutely. on that later, though. <laughs> yeah, more on that later. That's rad, mm-hmm. though. Uh, you know, I feel that I feel that Jessica Jones deserves more than just an, uh, a music Emmy, though. Like, yeah, the intro sure, music yeah. is really good, but like, there's so much more to that series that's so great. It's it's uh, it's really hard. They don't do genre content. Does not get Emmys or, or Oscars yeah. generally. It's going to get like effects Oscars and like action Oscars and music Visuals Oscars, and- visual blah blah blah. But they never give it the the acting Oscar or whatever. We'll see. Maybe except, one day. Except for when Heath Ledger died. Right, right. But not to impugn him at all, the the performance was wonderful. Yeah, the performance but was fantastic. It but probably it felt had something to do with him dying. In. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the big thing, though, with Jessica Jones is the trauma, which kind of leads into the next thing that I wanted to say. Um, <clears throat> Melissa Rosenberg the the uh, the showrunner for Jessica Jones yeah. has said that they're about halfway done with writing the second season, and that Jessica Jones's trauma is going to be a huge part of her character in season two. So we get to see those lasting effects of, like you know, of, of a real person having been hurt in the way that she was hurt and traumatized. Just um, she specifically said that uh, when like in 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 reality, it's not like. You know, you, you you win, the guy goes to jail, and everything's okay again, and you can move on with your life. Like, yeah, you can start to move on with your life, but that trauma and that pain is still going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's one of the great things that, that we're seeing in the MCU in general is the lasting effects of stuff. And we see more of that in this week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. Again, more on that. I'm so excited about this episode. I'm sorry. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> But yeah, those those lasting that's, I mean, the that's ripples. The, that's the thing about the entire MCU: the ripples, the, the ripples. lasting effects. And I mean, tonight in tonight's Agents of Shield, more on that later. But 
uh, there's a ton of talk of the Sokovia Accords, and yeah. we're starting to see how that's going to weave into the like everyday lives. Yeah, of these I had people. completely forgotten that that the Sokovia Accords were gonna like affect the agents of Shield in some big way. No, man, like it's a there. lasting consequence that has not like it didn't get resolved. They're no. not gone. No, they didn't, we like, didn't win against them. Yeah. They're still there. Captain America did not defeat the Sokovia Accords. <laughs> he didn't uh, defeat the new law. Yeah, it's still law. And they're gonna and 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 we we still don't know uh, more on this later, uh, but we still <laughs> we still don't know what that's do. Why Shield has a new new director? All this stuff is just interesting stuff that we're gonna yeah. delve into later. Yeah. What other news stories do you have right now? Sorry, Jeffrey, obviously we want to get to the content. We're tonight. just we're, we're cranking through it. All right, so Ben Barnes has been cast uh, in the Punisher solo series on Netflix. Uh, there's a rumor that he is going to be cast as Bobby Saint. And you may not remember Bobby Saint uh, very much from anything other than the Thomas Jane Punisher movie where he uh, he was the guy that killed the Punisher's family because he got burned by Frank Castle on a police undercover sting. So he had this vendetta against Frank Castle and killed his family and tried to kill him and, you know, then he came back, whatever. Right. But, like, he's going to be, or, well... Rather, it's rumored that he's going to be that big integral person that he's that, that the Punisher is going after. Of like, you caused my family's death, and I have to wreck you. That that excites me in that I kind of you know they they dealt with his family and the fact that something more happened and all this stuff uh, in in Daredevil, but we Ooh, still lasting effects. Yeah, we we never. They never resolved it. Again, yeah. it's just an unresolved thread that they can easily tug on. And it's a natural place for the story to go. Like, that is Punisher's story. Yeah, they didn't and wrap so it up a, in a nice, neat little bow for the Punisher. Absolutely. They were just like, now he's a thing. They didn't Danny Tanner it, you know? <laughs> he didn't sit Punisher and Daredevil on the bed and be like, all right, girls. <laughs> you love each other. Your sister's... And you'll always be there for each other. And that's why it's okay that Punisher kills and you don't. Danny Tannard. I don't think that's I don't think that's a thing that can happen in the MCU. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that was my point. Yeah, I I feel we agree on that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh let's see. Next up, uh we got well, do we want to continue talking about Netflix stuff? Because Iron Fist is coming up. We've got set photos from Iron Fist. Nice. The, the set of Iron Fist where Colleen Wing, Colleen Wing is, uh, is taking off. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, she's wielding her sword in a fight in the rain. She's standing next to, to Danny Rand at one Man. point. Like, really great looking photos. And uh, there's a ton of them, and they're all going in the feed. I wonder how much the Sokovia Accords are going to have an effect on those shows. On the Netflix shows, uh, we really, we really haven't seen that yet. Daredevil hasn't touched on them at all. Yeah, and like, how do you? Jessica Jones hasn't either. Of course, I think that was before. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Jessica right Jones before. came about before, and Daredevil season two was right before. Right, it was like almost immediately before. But like, how in in regard to Iron Fist, how do you apply the Sokovia Accords to like Kunlun? Right. It's a mystical city that's from another dimension, basically. Sure. Like, how do you, how do you quantify that? Uh, like, uh, Finn Jones t- uh, posted on, uh, what was it, Instagram, 
recently teasing that Lei Kung, the uh, the Thunderer, his mentor, is going to be in the show. Um, really, it's just a tease of words, like a quote from uh, from Lei Kung, but it's kind of like it's far enough out to where you can be like, oh yeah, they're going to put the Thunderer in there, and he's just kind of teasing that, hinting that, and you know, dropping that little hint. But like, how do you apply that to to him? Are you gonna? Are you? Do you honestly think that somebody is gonna roll up on Lake Kung the Thunderer and just be like, "Hey, man, you got to be policed because you got powers"? Like, he's not gonna stand for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the the fact that the mist the mystical is a little more hard to control than the technological, which every hero we've had thus far has been a technological hero. Even even the Inhumans are an ancient technology. Yeah. Um, well, technology or science. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that's that's it's same same. Like, Captain America is a science experiment, right? You know, uh, Spider Man's a product of a science experiment. Yeah, the Hulk, product of a science experiment. Yeah, I and mean, the only one that isn't really like truly technology that we can understand is Thor. Thor. But but even then, he's like, it's this, magic. It's mad. <laughs> this is science. You, he even he said this is science you don't understand yet. <laughs> like yeah. so. We we they've they've scienced everything away, uh, but once we get into this mystical, which really we got into for the first time this week. Well, it's a little there's been a little sprinkling of it in Daredevil, but this week on Agents of Shield, we got our first like two major mystical things happening. Yeah, 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 mm. and that's you know perfect timing to come along with uh, the master of the mystic arts, Mister Doctor Strange. Mister Doctor, yeah, man. That's how important he is. He deserves two titles. <laughs> Doctor Strange coming up. Like we're just over a month out from Doctor Strange. Wow. And they're they're bringing in, you know, all of well, they haven't confirmed, but it's going to be, you know, the mystical, the the heaven and hell stuff, the devil, like spirits and whatnot. The mm-hmm. very not science-based stuff. So Bringing that in right about the time that Doctor Strange is coming up is a good move. Yeah, well, and, and what I was going to get at, we're, we, we've talked a lot about the Sokovia Accords tonight. Um, what does that do once you reach those beings that you can't control? You know, like, like we said, science, the science heroes might be a little e- more easily controllable by laws, but once you get to the point where you've got this mystical stuff, how, how do they even try? Like yeah. They can't control, and, and I, I think at some point the lawmakers are just gonna have to like, all right, throw up their hands and be <laughs> like, all right, well, you guys figure it out. Yeah, we we can't we can't police this. This yeah. is not policeable. <laughs> it's not police able. Uh, and like what mm, Thanos, uh, lasting effects just that keeps right. sticking in my mind. There are lasting effects, and th- some of the things that we saw in Agents of Shield this week are going to like they make you think well how's that going to play in later Just, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it we'll for sure for it. sure you uh do you want to hear the quote that uh that Finn Jones posted on Instagram but of course oh of course you do uh it says Daniel wait do you know the secret of forever i want to tell you something my father once told me decapitation asphyxiation blunt trauma strangulation any number of paths to a single result your heart stops beating don't you see all death comes from the heart Armor yourself, make your body hard, and keep your heart soft. If you can protect your heart, you will never die. This is the secret of forever. You may feel like an outsider now, but one day, if you earn it, you will be invited to eat the fruit of immortality, and then you will truly be among us. 
cool. I like it. It's 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 mystical and neat, and it's like Hung the Thunder, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Plus, it's just good advice. Yeah, yeah. Protect your heart. You know, it's it's funny that that quote comes up when Danny Rand is like really good friends with a guy who has impenetrable skin. Yeah. Like, hey, can you teach me? <laughs> <laughs> I want to have that. Uh, I want that. That seems like a neat thing. Uh, so Iron Fist is going to be uh, making a display at New York City Comic Con this year, along with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Legion, um, you know, on FX. But there's going to be, like, the first real footage from Iron Fist. It's going to be played at NYCC. So anybody in nice. New York? Uh, Thomas Brendan, if you... Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Anybody like, are, 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 are bring me up, let me crash. Or, you know, even just go there and film it for me. <laughs> to, uh, not film it, of course, because that would break NDAs and all kinds of things. But, like, if you could live tweet every action frame. and frame, frame. that's going on. We need 24 tweets per second. Uh, I believe in you. <laughs> New York's, New York's a fast-paced city, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fine. He's good at this. Just bring two phones. And you got one for each hand. You're doubling your yeah. speed. Got him double-thumbing. <laughs> double-thumbing. Oh, man. So that's good. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio knows when Kingpin's going to come back. Hmm. He has said so. Because, I mean, upcoming we've got The Defenders... He could very well show up in Daredevil. I mean, sorry, Luke not Cage. Daredevil. He could very well show up in Luke Cage. Iron Fist. Iron Fist, maybe. Spider-Man. There's, you know, there's that possibility of Spider-Man. The Punisher. I want him Spider-Man. I know. He does, too. Um, I want Spider-Man versus the Punisher. That's what I, I really want. I mean, that's see. where he debuted. Yeah. Like, get him in there. <laughs> um, he said, uh, he told LRM... In an interview, he said, I can't answer that. I do know, but I, I can't answer, so take that how you will. He said, Jeff, uh, Jeff Loeb and Charlie Cox and Netflix love Kingpin, and so Kingpin is good for Marvel's television stuff, and I think they agree. Um, we agree. Yeah, we agree. I mean, he could, he could show up in The Punisher, like I said, because you know, he had that big fight with Frank, and he knows so much, and you know, he's the Kingpin. Um, Frank Castle probably doesn't like him very much. Still, yeah, does not seem to have much love. So for we the got what, we got the Defenders, we got Luke Cage, we got uh, Jessica Jones season two, we've got Iron Fist, we've got the Punisher, and then Daredevil season three. I highly doubt it. Any we, of those he could show we've up. Even in. got Agents of Shield. He that's could, fair. He could show up in. Uh, he could show up in anything, and that's what makes it all fun. Yeah. That's <laughs> the the speculation game that we play. Oh man. Okay, so what next? You wanna talk about you wanna talk about a rumored synopsis? Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, really exciting. The, the the synopsis actually exists. Can we read the synopsis? No, it's not like a straight up typed out synopsis. It's a hey, we got word of. It's so spoiler rumor not spoiler, it's so rumory. But okay. I want to talk about it because it's like it's 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 neat. Tell us about it. All right then. So apparently, the Infinity War movie will not follow the Infinity War comic. It'll follow the Infinity Gauntlet comic. Um, okay. And they've they've said that the the follow up movie in 2019, which was originally in, entitled Infinity War Part Two, um, 
they were saying that that would wrap up, or they are saying that that one is going to wrap up and and finish out what started in this movie, the the next Avengers movie. Right. So if it follows Infinity Gauntlet, which is where Thanos is collecting all of the gems and putting them into the gauntlet in order to, uh, in order to try to woo the in the what is it the incarnation? Not that's not the right word. Death. Just to woo death, Lady yes, Death, Lady um, Death, to to kind of court her, if you remember that from the end of the first Avengers movie, to court death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he does that. He does so by wiping out, like, wiping out half of the life of the galaxy. I think it is, just with the gauntlet, and then everybody who's left bands together to fight against him, and then takes the gauntlet from him and undoes it. But Infinity War, immediately afterward, had Adam Warlock fighting against himself, kind of. It was Adam Warlock against Magus. And we haven't seen Adam Warlock yet, except for the cocoon that was in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Right. So there is that possibility of it following that. But the really neat thing is that there's a, there's a strong chance that they're not going to introduce Lady Death as somebody, uh, somebody new whatever that movie comes around. There's a strong chance that Hela, who is the Asgardian goddess of death, is oh. who he's wanting to court. And and woo. And it he very well could show up in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, that we have we second. have not even discussed that. Like all of our speculations been around Guardians of the Galaxy and and because uh, he was already in the first one, him showing up again, but they say he's not. Yeah. Uh, we haven't even discussed the fact that he might show up in Thor, and that makes a lot of sense with Hela being part of it. Yeah, that is rad. It is really exciting, and there's a there's a less of a possibility of uh, Thanos showing up in Guardians because you know we've been speculating about that. However. There's been that strong push for it just being about ego, the living planet, you know, Kurt Russell and everything, and and that the family ties, because it's all about Peter Quill's parentage, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically his father in the second one. And, uh, you know, Kurt Russell, who plays Ego, the living planet, uh, he said in an interview kind of just confirming all of that, that um, first off, he said he was really impressed with it, and he said... um, the stuff that they showed at Comic-Con, you know, it's obviously they didn't show you everything. Haha, ha. it's a very complex story and they really get into it. He said it's more connected to human issues, family issues, parental issues, and issues that sons and daughters have with their moms and dads. Peter's character in this one, he's got dilemmas and he's got decisions to make that are not just about whether to save that thing or that person. This is about finding out who you are, where you come from, and where you're going. That's and then, exciting. And then he went on to say, I was really impressed that all of the people on the set were so excited because they felt that this was such or so much stronger than the first one. And hmm. apparently that is being echoed because uh, Chris Pratt said that this is the biggest spectacle movie of all time. Wow. <laughs> he said, uh, let's see. He said, there's a network of people in charge at Marvel who make all the decisions. They have the universe drawn up for about 20 years, and they're pretty adamant about us allowing them to release information about the movies and what's coming down the pike as they see fit. And they've instructed us not to say anything. But he could say that Guardians 2 is going to be terrific. It's a fabulous script. I think it's going to be, and I'm not using hyperbole here, I think it's going to be the biggest spectacle movie of all time. 
Wow. Which is pretty insane, considering. Saying a lot. But I can see it. I don't. I'm. I'm, I'm worried they're gonna go too big on us now. <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. I want it to be a personal story, and it sounds like they're they're making it a personal story. But man, it sounds pretty insane. The biggest, the biggest spectacle of all time. With that's, it, that's that's some ballsy things to say. That's that's a bold statement. <laughs> So, with it being the biggest spectacle, but also having that Marvel touch and that James Gunn director touch, I'm, I'm excited to see how that how this movie turns out. Like the the amount of um, the amount of good things that are going into it, just it can't it can't go wrong, right? Nothing can go wrong. Yeah, man. Obviously, definitely not. Obviously, unsinkable. I say. <laughs> That's the perfect claim. Oh man. Uh, so, uh, also in, uh, in this, the stream, we're going to have all the Spider-Man set photos that have come out, uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, there's a bunch of Luke Cage posters, which comes out, Luke Cage comes out in a week and a half. That's crazy. Oh my God. I'm so excited about that. That is crazy. I'm going to be at Ignite next week and I won't be able to record like normal for the weekly Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. Right. But I'm... I'm gonna try to go to Charles McFall's house and just record with yeah, him in the studio yeah, we were for, talking about that. for that Friday so that we can drop Luke Cage, you know, the day of. Or yeah. at least one episode the day of. And um so yeah, we're gonna have Spider Man set photos, Luke Cage posters, there's more Doctor Strange photos, the Iron Fist set photos, uh everything picture wise that I've come across that I've been hoarding greedily. <laughs> greedily hoarding. Um, so that's going to be in the stream, and that's uh, that's pretty much it for the news. I mean, there was Chadwick Boseman calling Black Panther a super antihero, which is kind of blah. It's whatever. <laughs> and he sees that Black Panther is going to feature other Black Panthers as far Ooh, as an origin. That's neat. That is neat to talk about, I guess. Yeah. He, well, he's just saying that uh, in the movie, because uh, at the end of Civil War... He's still kind of a mystery, like where he came from and what he For is. For sure, yeah. He, and they have that pan where it pans out, you know, after he says, let uh-huh. them try. And it pans out and you see Wakanda and then, like, the Black Panther statue. Right, you're right. So there's that hint of, like, that deeper culture. But in the Black Panther movie, they're going to dive into that culture. Awesome. They're going to dive into his history and the history of Black Panther so that you, you can to. see that there are other Black Panthers. And it's not just... Him and like his dad, maybe that's cool. That like reminds me a lot of what we talked about when we were talking about the Iron Fist comic, yeah, and yeah. how much that delved into the past Iron Fists, yeah, and that was really cool too. Yeah, I want to see more stuff like that. Like, give me, give me that deep, rich continuity and history. I For like sure. flavor. Uh, there's also a Luke Cage clip that came out um, where Cottonmouth is explaining to some beaten and bedraggled prisoner about his notorious B.I.G. picture on the wall there. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen it either. You want to watch it right now? Yeah, we're going to watch it right now. Okay, let's watch it right now. Wow, that was awesome. That's that's really exciting. That that fuels my hype train so much more than anything else because that's an incredible villain again. Yeah, they've done such a great job with villains in the Netflix series. They really have. Didn't we have some feedback about that? I feel like we had some feedback about that. We we may. We may. We may. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. Which well, I guess we can dive into feedback. Yeah, let's do that. I'm searching for it right now because I want to specifically talk about Here it is. Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, Mahershala Ali and Alfred Woodard will continue the trend of great Netflix Marvel villains like Vincent D'Onofrio and David Tennant. Truer words never spoken. Yeah. I think uh, Cottonmouth looks amazing. What's his, What's the actor's name? Mahershala, uh, Mahershala Ali. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's really good. That like- scene was intense and i liked it i i, I don't know he i like just, i like the camera placement as he walks toward it it's like his head fills the crown yeah and that was that was just beautifully shot right there mm-hmm. plus the sound design right there where you know that he is a nightclub owner like it's been said and you can hear the nightclub in the background like right. obviously behind some padded walls but like it's it's about how you would expect it's, someone like daredevil to hear it <laughs> <laughs> I just I really like that scene. It's real good. So Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, I finally got around to watching Batman v Superman Extended Edition, if only to figure out why I didn't have such a negative reaction to it. The Extended Edition, as you've noted, removes many of the plot holes. That aside, I finally figured out what I like about Zack Snyder's work. His movies are like Wagnerian opera. They're heavy, they're long, they deal with archetypes rather than people, they're full of ponderous music and plenty of Sturm und Drang. In BVS, Snyder bites off some pretty heavy stuff about the nature of man and his relationship to God. While it seems ponderous and pompous at times, there's no denying that his work is serious in a way that's not true of, say, Civil War. Civil War was enormously entertaining, but its depth and heft was limited to a fairly tepid commentary on contemporary politics. Yes, it had great characters and was fun to watch, but it wasn't art. I have a sneaking suspicion that BVS may eventually be considered a classic along the lines of Citizen Kane, valued not for its plot, which was weak in both films, but due to the combination of style and intent and, above all, commitment. Say what you will about Snyder, he commits to a vision and holds to it. As a result, very much like Wagner and Citizen Kane, BVS takes mental effort on the part of the audience to enjoy it. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Many indie films have that quality. If I have one criticism, it was that BVS would have been better, much better, without the setup for Justice League or the he's not really dead ending. It should have been a tragedy when where Superman really, truly dies. Obviously, they can't do that for franchise reasons, but the emotional impact of the film would have been deep and lasting. Interesting. I, um... I think some of the same reasons it sounds like Jeffrey likes it are the same reasons I don't. But I, but I hear what he's saying, and I, and I, and I don't uh, disagree that Snyder was going for something. He was going for art. He was. He was. And uh, the thing that I don't like about that is he, to me, to me you can have a balance of both, where you set up a character, and that character is a character that you can understand while still being an archetype, if that makes sense. Identifiable archetypes. I guess uh, well, to, to me, to I, me, what I mean by identifiable is like you can identify with relatable archetypes. Right, right, relatable, like a related. Like I, I think of in Civil War, I think of Captain America and uh, Tony Stark have their own archetypes they're fulfilling, but they're also characters that we've gotten to know and understand and care about. That's the big thing for me with the with the Marvel versus DC debate at this point is that DC went about it as if they had already set up a universe yeah. and they didn't they didn't lead us into it and they didn't earn it. Yeah. In my opinion. And, and if you think about it the way though that Jeffrey here is thinking about it, 
um, it makes sense. It's like you, he didn't want to set. He doesn't want us to identify with these characters. Yeah. They are they are gods. They are archetypes. They are they're 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 communicating about larger themes that in a way you don't want to when you watch Wagnerian opera or whatever. You're not trying to connect personally with a with with a certain. Um, character in the play or in, in the opera you're, you're more trying to connect with what the overall themes are saying about humanity and so yeah. that's so if, if thinking about it that way i definitely see how he could uh come out of it enjoying it a lot more than uh say someone like myself <laughs> someone less cultured <laughs> not unlike myself yeah that might be true no, I'm I'm less cultured. And I'm gonna be honest. <clears throat> anyway, uh, another thing that he uh, that Jeffrey James posted for us uh, prediction, all caps. Mm-hmm. Claire Temple will be the one who brings the defenders together. All this talk about connective tissue has to be more than just she does a cameo in every show. Hmm. I really don't want it to be a Phil Coulson style bring together. Yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> don't want like to be her a Phil too Coulson. much. Yeah, we want her to survive. <laughs> But who knows? There's there's always Tahiti. Um, oh, it's a magical <laughs> place. But uh, I, yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. Of course, we are. I mean, we already know that Jessica and Luke are already connected. Yeah, it wouldn't take much for Daredevil to somehow connect in one of the one of one of the coming seasons of these shows. You know. Yeah, yeah, and really, the only um, the only outlier that we don't really know how he comes in to play with everybody else is Iron Fist. Sure. And but I'm sure they're going to That's because we haven't him. even met him yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sure he'll... I mean, we know that he's really good friends. Like, they're best friends. He's best friends with Luke Cage. Yeah. But, like, how do they come to that in, in the Netflix universe? We don't know yet. I'm sorry, in the Netflix shows. Um, we don't know yet, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Justin Steinmetz Deer said to us on Facebook check this out and please discuss on the next episode or maybe an extra episode I don't know if I can wait that long well I'm sorry you had to but Jeff was slacking on the extra episodes I have been very busy at work I'm sorry (laughs) but um, he posted an article that's uh, kind of a shocker to read about (laughs) but um, apparently the shocker is going to be in Spider-Man Homecoming have we gotten that from official channels, or is it just these pictures? There are the pictures. Because um, the pictures kind of look like a cosplayer to me. <laughs> <laughs> and like They say that it's from the set. Yeah. I just uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen like that from any official sources. I've just seen a few random articles about it, and I'm like, uh, I'm a, you know, if it is official, I'm a little bit worried. Why is that? Because that's another villain getting added to it. Like, we've got the Tinkerer, we've got... It doesn't um, matter. Vulture. No one has ever complained about too many villains. They've complained when too many villains are used poorly. <laughs> That's fair. It's not. It's not that a movie has too many villains. If I don't know, <laughs> like honestly, uh, so Spider-Man Three had the too many villains problem. Yeah, and it was because they're it, just. It wasn't the amount of toys that Sony had. It was that they didn't know how to play with them. Yes. I don't think that Sp- Amazing Spider-Man 2, which people call that out for having too many villains again, Yeah, I don't think it had too many villains. I think they used those villains – Oh, they used them well. They had like one in the beginning, one in the end, like uh, one in the background. Like They had these villains kind of 
perched around, but there was one major villain. Yeah. In, in, in Spider-Man 3, they tried to make all of the villains the main villain, and that's a problem. That's yeah. a story problem you can't get around. But I don't think that the problem with Amazing Spider-Man 2 was was the too many – it's not the same problem because the problem with Amazing Spider-Man 2 is those villains were not good. <laughs> like they weren't – Yeah. They weren't – none of them were well, There was There was also par. that and the, uh, the fact that that movie took four – ever to set anything up and was trying so hard to continue setting up what was already set up in the first movie with his right. f- with his dad being you know scientist whatever it's like they uh they kind of were like you know what we weren't done talking about that let's talk about that some more it's like no man you had one movie you already had your chance leave it alone focus on the next thing and do that good and then they they didn't and then they tried to set up for sinister six and it just uh, it was too much setup and not enough movie yeah, that's and that's that's what's so hard about these cinematic universe sci is trying to make a good movie while setting up the next thing. Marvel's done it well, I think. Yeah. Some people complain that Marvel doesn't even do it well. They complain that, you know, they spend too much time with the setup and not enough. Well, they they movie. have on a couple of things. Like uh when you make a villain in a movie scared of somebody else but that villain is supposed to be the big bad of the movie he becomes less of a big bad yeah i yeah i that didn't bother me (laughs) but it didn't bother us because that movie was incredible that movie's great (laughs) (laughs) but like that that kind of detracts from from ronan Mm -hmm. at that point uh if you put uh ultron into the mix where they're like they're setting up for thanos for Thanos again, everything is right. setting up for Thanos. It's like they're beholden to Thanos or something. It's like he's a huge villain or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that movie was trying to set up Ultron and also tell everybody's stories, and also you know, and also and also and also like there was too much. Right, it was too much and also. Um, it <clears throat> it didn't do as poorly as say like the Sony films as far as the and also's, but it did detract from it a bit. And I can admit that, you know, they weren't as high quality as some of the other MCU films. But I digress. Jeffrey James also said to us on Facebook, regarding your most recent podcast, that would be the one from two weeks ago. Uh, you noted that DC's movies tend to emphasize villains, while MCU movies tend to emphasize the hero's journey, a la Joseph Campbell. About 20 years ago, I took a screenplay writing class, and the instructor, who had written quite a few himself, said that conventional Hollywood wisdom, as usually expressed by a cigar-chomping mogul, is the bigger the villain, the bigger the picture. Kudos to Marvel for taking a less hackneyed approach. Totally agree. Yep, yep. I mean, we did, we did talk about that. It's, it's neat that, uh, that there's that cigar-chomping mogul understanding. Like, you know what kind of people they're talking about. Just oh, yeah, by, absolutely. Just by that little bit. Like, oh, okay, the people that I don't want making movies. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> the people that I don't want making superhero movies. Good. I'm glad we've grown as a society yeah. to where we can have superhero movies that are actually movies with superheroes that are the leads. <sighs> anyway. So uh, Nathaniel Muzzy posted an article for us saying, this is very interesting to me, primarily because whenever questioned previously, all execs and producers would say, well, it's very difficult, or maybe one day, knowing the defenders are on the table gives me hope. Uh, It's an article talking about how the Russo brothers have said that 
everybody in the MCU is on the table for Infinity War. They 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 have everybody out there, and they're considering all their options, and they can play with all the toys, basically. Yeah, I don't know if that they're just um, placating me right now by saying that, <laughs> or if they like if they mean it. If they they heard us, and they're just like, yeah, okay, well, we'll say that we can, but then we and won't do it. We say us, but there's a large portion of the fan community right now that's a little down on Marvel because their their promised interconnectivity is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or is not happening to the uh to the whatever to the magnitude to the that liking. we expected. Yeah, to the liking of all of us fans and so uh you know <laughs> maybe they could be responding to that. Yeah. Hopefully they're actually responding to it in their work, not just <laughs> yeah. not just saying it to us like, oh yeah yeah don't worry guys don't worry. Do Whoa. what you say and say what you do. <laughs> do it. Actually, do it. Uh, Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook, just rewatch Civil War on Blu-ray. The comic was good, but the movie is even better. Ooh. that's just, that, Those are some words right there. Those are some words, because that was a really good comic. Testify, Sherman. Testify. <laughs> Preach. Now, I uh, I can say that um, I may have liked the the comic more, simply because there was more stuff. There were more characters more than I knew. Yeah. yeah, there were there were more characters to it and more things for them to play with. Uh, the movie was such a small scope comparatively, but it does still have those lasting effects that we get to see across all of the other movies right. and and shows and everything. And it's and, and it, it's hard to compare because the comic book has like you know whatever sixty years of history to draw from, right? And so like you're like, oh my gosh, these characters are fighting. And then there's like 25 some odd tie-in comics that right. are not just the Civil War story. It's the entire of the, of the universe. It's the universe. It's like the biggest crossover event, except Which, for like Secret Wars. This is as well the entire universe. The Scovia Accords are rippling out, but because of the way they make these things, it's not like we're giving the same effect. Yeah, we can't have 50 characters fighting each other. Yep. Well, I mean, we could. It would just take a minute. We'd have to go through a lot more years of movies and intros. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think you're ready for that, Sherman. I don't think that'll you're ready. In, that'll be in Civil War Two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a Civil War Two going on in comics right I know, now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll actually do that. Oh, God, I hope not. All right, so uh, Noel tweeted us back <laughs> yeah. after our last episode. Oh, Noel. Oh, Noel. Uh, it was Adam's UCast. LOL, once again, thanks for the shout-out. You know I'm always listening. Hey. Also, the new hashtag Moon Knight comic is great. Worth not waiting two years. I don't know what you mean by two years, but I definitely want to read it. Actually, uh, I was in Books a Million recently, and yeah. um, you know we're looking for some books for the kid to read because he's chewed through all of the uh, the wrinkle or a wrinkle in time and a, a wind at the door. Like he's he's doing all these. Young adult novels, and I'm over here in the comics, just like, where's Moon Knight? Where's Moon Knight? I see Doctor Strange. Where's Moon Knight? And uh, they didn't have it, oddly enough. They didn't have it. So I'm going to actually have to go to a comic shop again and <clears throat> try really hard not to spend $50. You could come with me on Friday to Excelsior and oh, do the I get it. Kaladesh pre-release. I understand what you're talking about there. Uh, I might actually do that. Magic, Magic and Kaladesh pre-release. Kaladesh does look pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. The I'm, art on it is incredible. Yeah, the the it's a steampunk world. So you yeah, know I'm drawn. Yeah, I know you like that. Yeah, I know you like steampunk. You know, I uh, <laughs> I am fairly new to Magic. I've only done those two sets so far. Hey, congrats on second place. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. It's, it's a numbers game. I know. All what right, you're doing. this is crazy. 
I'm not going to talk about Magic the Gathering too much, you guys. I promise. <laughs> we were playing at our local comic shop, a sealed league, which is like a league, a league of anything else. It's a like, like a league of bowling or whatever. But the way you had to rank your scores is it's basically the honor system. You walk up and write down the game you played. You write down, I played this person and I won. And then and this two games to one or two two to zero or three to three whatever. So you walk up and you put down how how you won and how many games you won and all that stuff. You write it down. It's honor system. Luckily, my buddy Josh is a bit of a, a numbers guy and he likes to keep up with things. He likes to know what's going on. So every week at the end of the week, he was taking pictures of the of the the board. Yeah. We found, long after the fact, that we caught a guy walking up there writing something down on a last week, on the previous week, and we're like, what are you doing? This week's over. And he was like, oh, I, I played a game last night. I just forgot to write it down. And we're like, uh, okay. And then, the, anyway, the scores came out, and me and Josh should have been in first and second place. That guy was ahead of us. So we, we, we went and compared, because Josh is a freak, and re- took pictures of every single page, and like had already calculated who should win. Um, he had like, this person has, has this many games left, so they could get this many points. And bo- like He had all this, knew we were in first and second place, but this other guy took it. And uh, we, we looked back, and he just straight up cheated. Who does that? Wow. Who does that? Was he banned? I hope he was banned. The the way that he we don't know, but the way the guy wrote the Facebook post about it, he might have been banned. It was like people that do this sort of thing will not be tolerated here at Excelsior. (laughs) People that do this sort of thing are going to be shot on sight. (laughs) What? It was the most dramatic thing. He wasn't banned. He was killed. They put him down. <laughs> they well, shot oh, wait, wait. him in the back what's, of the what's, store. What's the shield thing? They for crossed killing? him off. They crossed him off. <laughs> um, I've been rewatching season two, like the end of season one, the beginning of season yeah. two recently, and I just it keeps coming back. Like crossed him off. You tried to cross off them. You crossed him off. I crossed that guy off. She crossed him off. Like God, guys, stop. Yeah. Anyway, I the the, the I don't understand people that cheat. I don't either. At, at games of like nerdy games of skill and chance and strategy, I don't get it. I like, don't get cheating. There's so few nerds in the world. Why are we at each other's throats with this? Like, yeah. why are you cheating other nerds? Come on. What do you get out of it? Like, you know you cheated. There's supposed to be honor amongst nerds. Yeah, come on, people. Nerds. Anyway, I, so I tried, <laughs> I did my best and I didn't talk about any of the actual mechanics of magic. You're welcome, people. <laughs> all right so brandon said to us on twitter at mcu cast now we know 10 p.m time slot means seeing chloe bennett's butt yeah we do and blood spatter hashtag eight for shield hashtag aos season four chloe bennett's butt is magnificent you're welcome i i won't uh, argue i don't know why i said you're welcome but thank you i'm a, i'm marvel a- and the blood splatter really drove it home. Oh my gosh, the blood splatter! And then a little later, they said uh, he pulled his spine out through his, Ugh. and then it cut. Like yeah. somebody said something else. So we don't know what he pulled his spine out through, uh, but his blood that that blood splatter like was came out in a column, and I can only imagine like Ugh. that's what that was, was a spine being ripped from someone's. That's insane. Whatever, <laughs> ripped from something. Yeah, that was pretty gross. Oof. I, w- I must say. 
that, okay. that, that's definitely the grossest thing on. Well, I don't know. That guy's head getting crushed last season was pretty gross. Yeah, it was. So there have the, been a couple of gross things, and then the uh, in season two, the dissection. The dissection. Where he dissected um, Sky's mom or Daisy's oh, mom. Oh yeah, that was that was that was awful, but it wasn't as uh, just outright gross. Yeah, it wasn't as visually gross. They didn't right. show it. They just talked about it, and it was disgusting. There, I mean, there were things that were cut out of British television because it was so Ugh. graphic. Pretty graphic. Pretty. It was graphic. intense. Anyway, uh, Levi said to us on Twitter at MCUcast at Marvel News PTN, "What's the best comic series from the '90s to now in Marvel?" This is not my forte. Mine either, to be honest. Best comic I've read was probably Runaways, but that's one of the only comics I've read. <laughs> so I can't, <laughs> I can't really claim to. I can't know rank them. I can't rank them. I haven't read enough of them to to rank them. Like, uh, I mean, Civil War was really good. The the new Thor, Lady Thor, or the the new The Mighty Thor with Jane right. Foster's Thor is really good. Huh. Uh, it's definitely worth going and looking into. Um, uh, obviously, earlier tonight we heard great things about Moon Knight. Um, the new Doctor Strange comic is pretty good, uh, from what I understand. I have not uh, completely followed up on it. Uh, Squirrel Girl is always a whole lot of fun. Um, Gwenpool is one that I absolutely want to read and haven't gotten around to yet. I told you, if I go to a comic book shop and I'm looking for comics that I want yeah. to read, I'm going to drop 50 to $100. It's it's, I have a problem. Well, that's why you go to in the Kaladesh pre-release. So I'm just focused on that and yeah. drop all the money on that. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, no. <clears throat> so, uh, let's see. Let's move on to the next one because uh, I can't. I, I rank comics poorly. I just I fanboy too much to actually go with a good comic. I can tell you what a bad comic was. You want to talk about a bad comic? Oh, I do want to talk about a bad Let's comic. Let's talk about a bad comic. So we were sent by uh, by Mr. Jeffrey James. Uh, this was Strange Tales number 166, released in May of 1968, featuring Doctor Strange and his, uh, his tale, his one very short tale, and then a uh, Nick Fury comic in the back, which we didn't even read, to be honest. Uh, this Doctor Strange book was him fighting Voltorg with yep. a G. Voltorg. And I swear this is the worst book I've ever it's read. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And it's bad for a very specific reason. And I uh there, there's a there's a Facebook message from Jeffrey about the book. And I and I actually forgot to copy it into our doc here. Um but I'll find it while we're talking. The 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 thing that drove me nuts about it was the different alliter- alliterative exclamations. Um for me, that one got on my nerves real bad. For me, it was techno babble science, <laughs> techno babble magic, yep. techno babble techno babble science, techno babble techno babble magic. Like that's that is literally what the 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 entire comic book is. Each of the characters attacking each other back and forth. Yeah, there was no story. It, it all well, took no. place over the course of like five minutes, maybe. For sure, for sure. And I mean, I, I think there's probably more to... Yeah, obviously it's inserted into, or well, extracted rather, from the, middle, larger of a, story, yeah. the middle of a story where he's doing things. But like, this one didn't even tell a good standalone. Not at all, yeah. 
this this definitely broke the rule of it was just every comic fight. is someone's first. Right, right. <laughs> it was a fight. But the problem with the fight, and I think this is what uh, I just dropped in, if you want to read that Jeffrey James feedback. Uh, okay, here he, he said, uh, you've probably received the Doctor Strange comic by now. If not, it should arrive shortly. It's a perfect illustration of the point I was making about how Doctor Strange fits poorly into a world of physical conflict. On a more positive note, I enjoyed reading the Luke Cage material, all of it... Uh, which is also available on Marvel Unlimited, although you need to find the individual issues a minor hassle. What's really striking to me is how good today's comics are compared to the 1970s. Pioneers though they were, Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, and that crowd were really bad writers. <laughs> Awful, pompous dialogue. There's some exceptions, like the Barry Windsor Smith, um, Barry Windsor Smith, Conan the Barbarians, but by and large, whew, hold your noses. Yes, I think I think that's generally true, and I think they they were writing to a different crowd, and I think that the crowd that read comics has grown up with comics to some degree. People who were reading comics in the seventies, uh, there was a time when we used to outgrow our childish hobbies. These days, we make our childish hobbies grow with us. That's true. <laughs> like, that we're is like true. We need our comics to just get more serious, and more adult. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, thanks Marvel for facilitating that need, and and DC, and DC, the and DC, Dark yes. Knight uh, comics, the Frank Miller stuff. Like that's like, oh yeah, that's that's like the new. You know, that be, kind of became the new normal for comics. The Killing Joke, absolutely. Like, come on, are you? You're gonna cripple a, a major character mm-hmm. in a comic book, and that's okay. And and. The other things that happen in that scenario, yeah. it's just, just, just awful. It's just yeah. awful. Uh, and, and that became the new normal, and I think like we, we really do insist on our comics growing up with us <laughs> yeah. uh, instead of growing out of our things. Instead of being like, oh, yeah, I read comics when I was a kid. That was fun. I remember those silly stories when they had all that crazy dialogue of, oh, I'm a hero and blah, blah, blah. And like, no, these are real people now. Like, they're right. Yeah. They got good writers who write good things like, you know, movies and TV shows that are, you know, good movies and TV shows that got those writers to make good comic right. writing. And, you know, it's, I don't think it's a – actually, I, I said it like <clears throat> it's a new thing. I think that happened with Westerns too. Fair. There was a time when Westerns were little kids running around with their pop pistols pretending to be cowboys. Those people grew up and they made Western television and movies that were like a little more serious and more – more content. Yeah, the like uh, Cowboys versus Aliens. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, like No Country for Old Men. I Cowboys and Aliens, I, I was so excited when I heard that, about that movie. It just seemed like such a wacky idea. Yeah. And then they treated it... I'm glad... I, I don't know. I wanted them to treat it somewhat seriously, but like... They, 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 it's like they didn't understand how tongue-in-cheek it, cheek it could have been. Yeah. Like, it, it has the, the same ring of, like, Snakes on a Plane, you know? Oh, yeah. Snakes on a Plane understands the kind of movie that they, it is. Yeah, they know how dumb they sound. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens did not. And, or they should have, they could have changed the title. I don't know. They could have, like, one or the other needed to change, the movie or the title. Because <laughs> it's a little too silly of a title for it to be so serious. Like, that movie is serious. Yeah. And it's hard to take seriously. Yeah. Another uh, another movie that I think took itself too seriously that kind of had a Western theme, but sort of didn't at the same time, John Carter. Huh. John Carter took itself way too seriously and wasn't the fantastical spectacle that it needed to be to make itself good. It was just right. 
It was. He was so serious. It was a beautiful movie. Oh, it was pretty. And, it could, and I think it was pretty spectacular in like the action sequences and stuff. But it was a little weird. One thing that I noted watching John Carter, I don't even think I finished the movie, so I may be wrong on this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it seemed like he came in, and there's like a race of people that he's supposed to be fighting or something, and it seemed to me like the kind of story that if it was written nowadays, he would have realized that, oh, they're just different than me, and would have made peace. Yeah, and instead he just like fights them, and that's the movie. Yeah, it felt a little, it felt yeah. a little of like an old story, like it didn't feel like it had the nuance of uh, modern day. Ethics, <laughs> like and just ethics, like oh these these things are <laughs> you know, different, you know tolerance, <laughs> like <laughs> any of the new things. It really did feel a little like these things are different. <laughs> Let's fight. <laughs> Obviously, I have to fight that because it's different. Obviously, this is evil, and defeat it because it's evil, yeah. and I'm the hero. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, oh, thank man. you for sending that, Jeffrey. Um, also. I, 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 if we would, did not say this a couple weeks ago when we covered the Luke Cage comics, Nathaniel Muzzy sent us that comic book. Thank you so much, Nathaniel. Uh, he, I know we thanked him on Facebook, but I don't know if we actually thanked him on the cast. I, I don't recall if we did. I so don't recall. If we did not. Thank you, Nathaniel Muzzy. And even if we did, thank you again, because yeah. that, that was really great of you. Thank you. If anybody wants to send any comic books our way, I will read them and talk about them. I'll, if Matt wants to read them and talk about them, <laughs> cool. Uh, if good or I bad, I, I don't, don't care what you I don't you know send. about the trend of sending the worst comic you can find. Oh, no, I love it. I like that Jeffrey did that. It was fun, but I don't know about every week. <laughs> I think we need to balance it. Like, send me... <laughs> Send me a comic and have a sticky note on it. Like, put a post-it on it that says good or bad. I don't know. Depending on how maybe, good or bad maybe it is. Maybe they should let us decide. Oh, that's fair. Like, send it to me with a, <laughs> I thought this was good. And I'll be like, no. That's, no, that you is don't good. know what is good. You're, you were wrong. You, you are wrong. Let's hit these voicemails. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Well, a not novel idea, old chap. <laughs> Righto. Here we go. Voicemail number uno. In the deleted scenes for Civil War, they elaborated on Baron Zemo on his cell phone with presumably his wife talking about presumably his son. But in the movie, he talks about how he lost everybody, and that's why he's willing to do this and then you know, commit suicide afterwards. So was he lying about that, or did he get remarried? And if so, why would he be willing to do all this? and then kill himself if he has a wife and kid. I was very confused by that. I totally understand your confusion there, but what it was, if you pay attention, every time he is on the phone with his wife, his wife is saying the same thing, and what it is, it's a voicemail. He's listening to a voicemail of his dead wife, probably the last voicemail she ever left for him, and he's... Uh, I, I forget what the voicemail is even talking about, but I, th I think it might even be talking about something like, it's a come home kind of thing. It's, like, come yeah. home soon. I'm going to bed. Love you. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to say... Like, we miss you kind didn't, of thing. Did, didn't something in there mention the events of Ultron? Like, is not that not in, the in voicemail. there? Not in the voicemail. Okay. I, I, I could have sworn it was something like, uh, things seem to be going on in the city, but we're safe here, or something like that. Uh, anyway, yeah. I don't yeah, think so. I, I, I thought that was in there. I may be totally wrong. But yeah, it was definitely a voicemail. Now, he said that in his uh, in his monologue that, you know, we're miles from the city. There's obviously no harm could come to us out here. Right. And they're fighting in the middle of town. Like, 
that was said, I don't know that there was anything in the voicemail. Okay, um, I'm, I'm I'm very likely wrong. There was a uh, there was a deleted scene where like I I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I have not purchased the Blu-ray yet. Um, yeah, what I'm are we sorry. doing? We really should have done that by now. Yeah, uh, well, poverty struck. So <laughs> poverty did strike. Um, I'll be able to purchase things like that in two and a half weeks again. Nice. Um, Poverty, Just, poverty going away in two well, and a half weeks. Everything's the ship is riding. Good, we're, good, good, we're good. riding the ship, and everything will. A budget is being put in place <laughs> so that I don't do dumb shit again. Yeah, man, unsinkable. Right, unsinkable. Right. Uh, I say. <laughs> so, so there was a deleted scene that was released online of uh, Zemo listening to that voicemail and then putting his phone away and then meeting uh, the the doctor who was supposed to go, I cannot remember his name, the doctor who was supposed to go and actually interview Bucky and, and assess Bucky, um, who was actually played by uh, Joe Russo. Oh, neat. That director. Um, he was also the doctor over Nick Fury in The Winter Soldier. Oh, fun. Yeah. Oh. He always, I it guess Makes he, sense it would be the same character, honestly. Well, he was one was a medical doctor, one was a psychiatric examiner. Oh, so. Maybe it doesn't make sense that it was the same. Nah, he's he's like um <laughs> he's like a, a younger version of Stanley or the Stanley character. Because oh, obviously right. Stanley is Uatu the Watcher. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That just makes for sense. Sure. But uh, anyway, yeah, he listened to the to that voicemail before going to meet um going to meet the doctor and then taking the bag from him. Yeah, walking him to the car. So, so again, it's just a voicemail. But I totally get why you'd be confused because it does seem like he's on the phone, especially when you first hear it. It seems like he's listening, either listening to a voicemail that's current. But then, if you pay attention later, she's saying the exact same thing again. Yep. Every time he's listening to it. So, uh, all right, uh, we got this next voicemail here. Here we go. Since you two are Moon Knight experts, i got a question for you. Uh, I watched the last episode of Season 2 of uh, Marvel's Avengers Assemble cartoon, and at the very, very end, Tony Stark is looking at a digital globe about how he's going to make a worldwide Avengers, different people pop up, and Moon Knight pops up, but he pops up in, like, Northeast Africa, like, I don't know if that's kind of like Egypt, uh, but kind of Northeast Africa, and I, I wasn't familiar with that. Uh, is that where he's from? I am in no way a Moon Knight expert. <laughs> Neither of us are. But uh, that character, uh, Jake Lockley, he is from America, but his powers come from Egyptian mythology. So that's why the Northeast Africa bit yeah. was coming into play there. And it it might have been at that time in the in the show where, like, Moon Knight was going to Egypt and discovering powers and to get a being drawn into it or whatever. Get a, or, re- get a refill. Yeah, <laughs> he was going to fill his power battery. Uh, yeah, so he, he apparently, yeah, his powers, the source, a bunch of his backstory happens in Africa uh, and the Middle East. Um, Egypt. He's a, he's a mercenary and, and stuff throughout throughout a uh, I, I again i i am not not a moonlight expert but uh it, i it just it, he was he was quite the world traveler before he took up residence in manhattan and became moon knight so not jake lockley mark specter mark specter my yeah. bad i was like you may know more than i do because i don't know that well jake lockley is one of his uh one of his alter egos i think yeah, that one's the right. cab driver yeah that sounds right anyway 
All right, we got one more, one more voicemail. Do you guys have any insight as to why the first Iron Man movie and the Incredible Hulk movie were released within a month of each other? That seems like not such a good strategy. Um, we weren't doing this at that time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> first off, I can't argue with the strategy too much because it worked. They did build the Marvel Cinematic Universe based on those two movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I will say they've. I think. I think it was just an experiment. Yeah, they, we've they speculated on best. that before. We uh, we've we've kind of speculated that they were they were going in two directions. They had two options as far as direction. They they hit Iron Man with the the light and happy and and almost comical tones. You know the 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 MCU that we have now where it's fun, and then they had. The Incredible Hulk with the dark and ominous and broody and and, 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 and... and to be fair, it had some fun to it. It did have some fun, but not as much. Sure. Not as much as any of the definitely current not. Marvel movies. Um, it was. It's definitely the most serious of all of the MCU. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that possibility where they could have been just experimenting between the two, saying, like, which one is going to do better? What do fans want? Like, what can we give them more of? And then when Iron Man took off the way that it did, they went, you know what? People want a lighter superhero-type film. And, and, and just talking about release dates in general, uh, I, it seems to make sense to me that they, they just didn't know yet how to release. No one knew how to release a cinematic universe like this. Yeah, this was the beginning of the thing. Like, and so it they, was a big deal. They were probably just trying to kick it off strong, like hit us with a one-two punch. Like, hey, look at these two summer blockbusters. They're in the same universe. How crazy is that? And, and people are like, wait, what? And we all did. We all thought it was crazy, even though you know, Hulk didn't have the same reception that Iron Man had. Everyone was still really excited that they were bundled together. Yeah, like once word got out that Tony Stark showed up in The Incredible Hulk, and not as a stinger, but like right before the credits. Yeah. Like that's a big deal. People wanted to go back and see it. Like this, what do you mean he's in there? Is it just a cameo, like a little tongue in cheek nod? Like, no, he's putting a team together. Yeah. But looking at an alternate universe, say they had tried to do Iron Man one year and then Hulk the next. Yeah. Kind of like how they're doing now. They're spacing them out every six months and every six months back then it was about a year. And then they went to six months and now it's going to every like whatever, three four months, yeah. three a year. Um, so, in an alternate universe where Iron Man came out and then a year later Hulk came out, it would have appeared to be a downward trend. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they wouldn't have gotten the traction that they got. I don't think so either. I think Iron Man would have come out, then their other movie, Hulk, comes out a year later. We're all excited and waiting, waiting for this to happen. And then it's such a downward trend that we're like, oh, maybe that was just a one-shot thing. Maybe yeah, Marvel, that was a neat idea. Marvel made one good movie, you know? Yeah. Like, that was a neat idea. Maybe they'll make more of those Iron Man movies. But having them so close together, it didn't seem like a trend at all. It just seemed like two movies that came out almost at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's really inter- it is really interesting. And, they, and they've obviously learned their lesson that that's not the way to release movies. Because they now do it, they now space them out as much as they can. Yeah. <laughs> while still putting out three a year. <laughs> and they don't back down. When somebody challenges their date, they don't back down. They don't back down. They just make a good movie. Because I won't back down. Okay. Stand my ground. Sorry, sorry. 
Sorry. Uh, well, my friends, after this, we're going to go into our spoilery discussion of this week's Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're starting off Season 4, Episode 1 tonight, so um, we're so happy you're here. Uh, but before we do all that... We just want to say that we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast in partnership with 45 Magazine and a proud member of the Giant Size Team-Up Network. If you want to find more about us, hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or if you want to leave a voicemail, as a few people did tonight, call at 573-CAST-MCU. Um, if you want to help us out, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, uh, send us digital hugs, however you want to do it. We, we appreciate your support. Um, and uh, if you're looking for a podcast similar to this, but for the DC properties of film and television, check out DC On Screen. There are good friends over there at the DC On Screen podcast, another giant-sized team-up show. So uh, check them out. Uh, thanks so much. We're going to talk about... Uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, so if you don't want to be spoiled, you got three seconds. Three, two, one. Ghost Rider looks amazing. Ghost Rider's face melted off, burned away into a skull. That that face melting was pretty Holy crap. That was incredible. I can't stop yelling. That's exciting. Totally agree. Why don't you hit us with that that synopsis? Let's go with a quick synopsis so that I can continue freaking out about how awesome this show is. While Daisy is out fulfilling her new vigilante role, she comes across a group of Aryan Brotherhood members working for the Watchdogs. But before she can quake them down, they are intercepted and brutally killed and kidnapped by a mysterious burning figure. Meanwhile, all of the S.H.I.E.L.D. personnel are trying to figure out how to operate under the new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. They have been split into multiple teams, which is breeding some mistrust and leading to our team keeping secrets from their closest friends and lovers. Lovers. S.H.I.E.L.D. remains one step behind Daisy as she catches up with Robbie Reyes, better known as Ghost Rider. A battle ensues during which Daisy and Robbie discuss the morality of him killing those he feels deserves it. That's when he tells her, I'm not the one who decides. His flesh burns away and reveals the flaming skull of the spirit of vengeance. After Daisy is clearly beaten and expects her death, Ghost Rider spares her life, leaving her bewildered. Also, the criminals that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been following unleash some kind of ghosty crazy sauce and maze infected. Yeah. May is infected with ghosty crazy sauce. That is a good... That's a good way to end that. Sorry, I made you say ghosty crazy sauce. No, man. People are all about making me say things that <laughs> are all over the place. I like it. Bonkers phrases, if you will. Holy crap, that, that Ghost Rider. That Ghost Rider. That Ghost Rider. This show has taken such a noticeably dark turn with going an hour later at night. One hour later at night, and they are already so much darker. And I love everything about it. It's it's got it's got that feel of like we're trying to be more like the Netflix stuff because obviously that's really good that's trending really well everybody loves it if we be more like that people will like this show again I still feel like it felt very much like Agents of Shield though it was it was an Agents of Shield take on the Netflix shows basically hmm. in my opinion and then 
because of that, because of the later time frame, and because they were able to do take such a darker tone, we got the spirit of vengeance being the spirit of vengeance and spattering blood on people's faces. We got Chloe Bennett's butt. That's awesome. <laughs> yep that that's that's pretty great. The blood splatter w- was pretty disturbing. It really was because like it, it got in his mouth, mm. and that guy was bleeding through his bandage. Yeah. And like once the ghost rider burns you, he burns your soul, and, and your, your soul, soul doesn't heal. heal. And then he just bled out on the floor, and that growing pool of dark blood just ugh, nah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dark. It's definitely yeah. getting dark. It's about as dark as Chloe Bennett's eyeshadow. Uh, <laughs> that's vigilante eyeshadow. Oh yeah, my vigilante bad. brand. <laughs> I wonder where's the vigilante section. <laughs> it's uh, it's odd though. She's she's undercover and and trying to lay low and everything, but she's not wearing the trademark cap. Yeah, it's true. She's not wearing the ball cap. She's wearing a, a beanie. Well, she's obviously basically. not team cap. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> she's she's clearly not as incognito as she could be. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I I really like that we got to see Yo Yo again, but it didn't feel like it was forced. It was just kind of like. She is our asset in Los Angeles. There she is. She's clearly the one. Yeah. And she signed the the Sokovia Accords. Yep. So the the when Mac reminded her of that, when he said, like, this is the part where I remind you that you have to answer to, and then that council has to, and then blah, 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 like, went on in that spiel. I was like, holy crap. They, they have to follow this. Yeah. Like, this is a lasting thing. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that we're going to have to deal with for at least a while. Yeah. And that's the just that being a thing is crazy. Like, how do you deal with magic in a world where a council decides whether or not you can go in to, to, to snuff the threat or whatever? Yeah. How do you deal with anything? Um, the <laughs> bureaucracy, man. The bureaucracy is going to slow down our, our fighting heroes. The, and, and it already is. I mean, our team has stopped so many threats – and now they're they're handcuffed and separated by this new director who is obviously brought in to force them to follow the Sokovia Accords yep. more closely. Yeah, because it the way that they put it, the way that they that they said it sounds a whole bunch like he was put in place by the government to run things. And mm-hmm. it's because he's paranoid about what happened to Shield back before you know when uh, when hydra. it wasn't yeah when it was hydra and when it wasn't run by the government and he wants to he wants to make it effectively another agency of the government yeah well and that's that's a question that i have but with how public is this so far yeah that's a good question a good it question definitely seemed have. like they still were in secret uh, there's a scene where they walk up to law enforcement at uh, when they're trying to search that yellow truck before he uses his X-ray hand, <laughs> which was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you wanted tech like that, you should have cut off your own hand. Ah. That was pretty great. Um, when they go into that, there's there's already law enforcement on scene. And they're like, "Are you guys FBI?" And they're like, "Something like that." Are you guys feds? Yeah, something like that. It's something like that. And. And then he says, we got this. It's interesting, because they're not... And he said it to Robbie. Like, they said it to Robbie. Oh, was Robbie there? Yeah, that was Robbie. Oh, I didn't see that at all. Yeah. I thought it was just another... 
thought it was someone from law enforcement or whatever. No, like the guy that they said, we got this, and he just kind of looked at him, like, okay, whatever, and then got in the truck and huh. went to drive it away. That was Robbie. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Like they, it's they, they lingered on him way too long. Yeah, I didn't. I did not think that was Robbie, but I had to. I had to go back and look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool, cool. I like that. Uh, I like that Robbie has that kind of, like when we get to see more of him. Like first off, when they introed him, when they when they started with him, we got that ominous, like that ominous presence of an unstoppable force coming at you, and you had that one tick. That you could you could tell it was him. You could tell who it was with the key flip. Right. When he had the keys, and you would flip them. And I was like, "That's exactly what I would do. That's if I was the spirit of vengeance, I would flip those keys." Yeah, it's very it's very creepy. Uh, he's very creepy, but likable so far. Yeah, and like they got that great balance. Like you could see where it was it was a, a likable person who also had the presence of something very dark within him because he right. had that kind of tick when he was leading. Uh, Daisy over to the um, the trailer, you know, where the sales log was. I'm so glad that they just went ahead and went all in with this uh, fight. Yeah, like, don't tease us about Ghost Rider and, and whether or not he's going to do this or that or... And it, like, don't don't drag it out. Just go yeah. straight into it. They didn't drag like, it show out. Show me at all. the Ghost Rider. First, first episode of the season, we're already getting a major fight between Quake and Ghost Rider. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Like, think of what they're holding out on, though. If that was what they started with, what right. are they holding out on? Like, what kind of greatness are they holding out on? I don't know. Oh, man. It also depends on how long they plan to have Ghost Rider as a part of the season. Is it going to be just a half-season thing? Is it going to be a – you know, last season they had Crusher Creel, and they were talking about Crusher Creel, Crusher Creel, Lucy Lawless, Lucy Lawless, and that was the first two episodes. First two, <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. Um, so I wonder that how – That was season two. That's right. I wonder how far they're going to go with, with this. I don't know. Um, and I could absolutely see, now that she's seen him as a human, seen him with his brother, I think it was. Yeah, that was his um, younger brother, the handicapped guy. Yeah. Um, and I teared up in that scene because it was so oh, yeah? touching. It was no. so emotionally touching. Like, holy crap, <laughs> this guy who like slaughters people in the streets has this this love for this guy and... Like he has this this deep love for his family and is going to do anything for it, and just it's such a likable guy in so few lines. Right, he really was likable, and and I mean that you get they had a shortened version of the rooftop conversation uh, between Daredevil and Punisher. Yeah, they had a really shortened mid fight version where he was like well, you killed him and he's like hey, that man had blood on his hands he's like yeah you killed that that you, officer you killed that teacher pedophile like he just he just you know yeah ticking him off like and, i had re- i have my reasons yeah and then it was a you don't get to decide and he said i'm not the one who decides and then ghost rider face and i love that it was a to uh, to not go with the pun though but the slow burn of the ghost rider face oh yeah me too he like how, it really like peeled off. How it, yeah, it looked flesh. like his flesh was just kind of ashing and evaporating away mm-hmm. to make the Ghost Rider face. God, that was incredible. I was like the whole time that was happening, I was breathing heavy, like a sweaty nerd. I was just like, ah, ah. yep, <laughs> it was too much for me to handle it. It was intense. It was uh, intense. What do you um, what do you think about where the rest of the team is? I man. mean, we, we've got our LMDs. Yeah. Ada. 
Yeah, we got Ada, and that was a really interesting intro. I like that they didn't just go straight into her being like, oh, this is a person. No, it's a robot. It's a, it was a, like, this is a robot. Ah, sort of. Uh, she's kind of malfunctioning. Let's turn her off. I'll reboot her. And then, like, we see at the end of it, she, it's not that she was, like, out and helping and getting better at being a robot integrated with humanity. She was tucked away. She was put in storage. And Fitz is going along with that. And hiding it from Gemma and yeah. saying, we can't present this to anybody until she's perfect. And like, that is obviously the, that's the, that's the human, but also or that's the human and scientist side of the Sokovia Accords of like, if we're going to do this big thing, we've got to do it in secret and perfectly. And once it's perfect, then we can talk about it. Or otherwise we're going to have so much government oversight that we can't do anything with it. Well, and the thing they fear is, uh, the new director using yeah. it as What's a weapon. The, and that kind of. What's he going to do? Well, uh, he said that it's not capable of being a weapon. She has to be a shield. She's a decoy. She's a life model decoy. Right. What is the director going to do with that? I fear what the director would do with that. Well, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., when it was Nick Fury in the comics, was yeah. always using LMDs. Yeah. Always had an LMD to, to take the hit for him. But this is not Nick Fury, at least as far as we know. This is not Nick Fury. <laughs> this, this is a dynamic man. Yeah, so if who who knows what he's gonna he's who knows what he's gonna want to do with these life life model decoys because they could be used as uh, weapons. Like, I really I really want to me it's pretty obvious they could be. I really want to apply like I'm pushing my agenda on it to make myself believe what it what he is because you know I had that extra sort of him being yeah. the dynamic man from the from the timely comics and. I really want, like, in the, if you look at how Ada looks as far as makeup and presentation, and then how he looks, the director, we're going to see him the next episode, by the way. That's next week. Nice. Um, meet the new director. And his makeup and everything looks a lot like her makeup and, like, could be a robot guy. Could very easily be a robot guy. And they're, they're, they're going on the what would the director do with this technology kind of thing pretty hard. And yeah. it, it I want it to be – I believe that it, it is going to be a, a flip where it's like, well, we can't show this to the director because he might do something bad with it. They show the director. They end up showing him, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I've known about this for a while. Look at me. I'm a robot. Like he turns out to be a robot or something like that or yeah, an LMD. would be interesting. That would be interesting. <sighs> That's my speculation for the, <laughs> for the upcoming season. <clears throat> I feel like because – We've got Fitz and Ratcliffe working on this. That that's not going to be the case, just because these are two of the greatest minds around, and they're working on this thing that it seems even to them right now hard and far fetched. So it would be weird if it already exists, unless we're going to deal with time travel, maybe, or uh, or, or some other. I guess there could just be another scientist out there that has had it before them, but it seems strange. Doctor Light. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, How we talk about some feedback about this episode? Should we? Okay, let's go for it. Uh, Brian Keegan said to us on Facebook, Guys, I'm totally digging the spirit of vengeance. Episode one was pretty great, and I'm feeling the darker tone to the start of the season, because we're in a later airtime. The blood that shot all over the guy in the first scene really showed you that things have changed. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. I'm so glad this show is back. You know what? I am too. Yeah, me too. Oh, man. It's back. It's back. It's better than ever. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You can see how much the show has grown over the seasons. Uh, sure. Let's see. Matthew Ryan Cronin said to us on Facebook, Dudes, Ghost Rider looked fucking dope. 
Hope the VFX budget is the same throughout the season. Also like the little shot of the hula dancer in Daisy's van. It's a nice little throwback to her first van from the first episode. Yeah, totally. Which we never saw again. And her first butt from her from the first episode. What? Sorry, still thinking about her butt. That's fair. Uh, Nathaniel Muzzy said to us on Facebook, caught up and watched last night's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Pretty interesting. I like the Ghost Rider stuff, but the team being split up is kind of strange, though I'm sure they'll be back together. A lot of threads going, LMDs, Ghosts, Ghost Rider, the new director, but it'll take over the show. Or, no, I'm sorry, I'll take it over the show just revolving around Inhumans. A solid B from me. Yeah, I, we have, that's one plotline we haven't even discussed at all, is the Ghosts. The ghost. Which we don't know what that's about, really. I have no idea what that's about. That It was cool. It was neat. You know, when uh, when they were talking about uh, these people uh, throwing themselves at each other and tearing each other apart and fighting, it made me think that they were going to bring in that thing from Agent Carter that, um, that hmm. was it season two? Or was it, no, it was season one. Uh, that thing in Agent Carter that uh, Howard Stark built that made the um the people on that battlefield i cannot remember which one it was they all fought each other and the whole oh, company killed yeah, each other yeah. and Souza got some of it where he was trying to hurt everybody did howard invent that yeah oh, i'd forgotten because it was a it was a way to aid soldiers in staying up for multiple days straight like oh to help okay. combat sleep deprivation but it, it made them, them very to... angry and and combative. right and i we 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 know uh what it did in that movie theater. Yeah, yeah. That was season one. That was season one. That was season one. Yeah, that was great. Cool stuff. Yeah, that, that's what that made me think of. And when it turned out to not be that, when it was like a ghost was messing with their heads and making them see things. It's it, like, oh, I guess they're going all in on the spiritual They're going all stuff. in on the spiritual. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, something uh, someone mentioned a second ago about the VFX budget. Um, I think it was interesting... The, yes, the ver- the visual effects looked great in this episode, but they also did a cool thing where they sort of jawsed him. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was this like we knew everybody knows what Ghost Rider looks like. We're all kind of expecting it, but they still like they didn't show it too much, which it which is a double purpose. It makes it more threatening when it does show up. Yeah, and it allows them to spend the money they need to spend to make it look right when he does. Yeah, they and don't so, have to spread that money out. Exactly. Across so the episode. they should probably keep to that method of like the Ghost Rider comes out when it's necessary. You yeah. Know? Well, he was fighting as and, Robbie Reyes. Yeah, he yeah. was fighting as Robbie Reyes and just lighting things on fire because yeah. he was. So I guess he still his eyes has were aflame. He still has the powers to yeah. some degree, but he doesn't have. It, but at some point, the spirit takes over and makes the decisions for him. That's it's a neat. It's a neat concept. It's a I like really, it. Really, really cool concept, especially when. They did the oh God. I cannot get over that slow burn of the skull. It was really good. Oh man. Okay. Sherman Smith said to us on Facebook: "Agents of Shield season four, episode one. Liking Ghost Rider. Already not liking the new director, even though they haven't shown him yet. Keeping the core group apart and not letting Yo Yo work with Mac. These are bad moves. You know what? I agree. I you agree. Could, you could tell though. Mac really desperately wanted to work with her, and like." At least embrace her oh, yeah. in some way. He wanted to embrace her, all right. Yeah, he wanted. I mean, he wanted to to fraternize with her, obviously. Yes, yes, he did. But he was so bound by the law and and he's a good man. the rules of the organization that had been put into place, and he's too good and honorable a person to go against that. And like, that's great for the character. I love that about the character. 
and it's it's great that the that the actor was able to portray how he fought that so well. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And we really didn't talk about May uh, as far as like her struggle with this. Like she's mm-hmm. she's trying to follow the rules, but trying mm, to go against it she? at the same time. I don't. I didn't really see her trying. She's trying That's to fair. not get caught. She's trying to not get caught. And it <laughs> seems like she's trying to play both sides. Gemma had a very interesting point. Uh, when she's like, you know, I'm trying my best to hold on to any power we can around here. Yeah, know? just so um, that we can keep us in power. Yeah. God, like that. She trusts them more than she trusts anyone else, and she doesn't want, uh, you know. I, 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 It's weird to me that they've even been taken over, I guess taken over by the government, I guess. Yeah, because um, of the Accords. Right. Um, and they mentioned that was after... Uh, General Talbot gave the coordinates of the base to the president. That's right. I I feel like we're gonna love the new director. Mm. I feel like the next episode is gonna is called Meet the New Director. Right? Is that what you said? I think it's something like that. Let me look. Uh, well, I have a feeling we're gonna get to episode two, and it, the director is gonna be like super lovable. <laughs> <laughs> like after all this setup, you know, our team's pretty. Uh, they're a pretty scowly bunch. Uh, a mistrust, a mistrustworthy sort. Ah, it's called Meet the New Boss. My I bad. have a feeling we're going to get to the new boss, and he's going to be like really likable. I don't know, that's and just... that's going to set us up for when he turns later and yeah. is a robot. Maybe, 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 or just turns later and is bad in whatever way. Yeah, um, but I, I think I think he's going to be really likable. I hope. I think that'll make for a fun season. Yeah. He's really likable. I don't trust that. I love a good likable uh, sort of enemy. Have I, you ever watched Buffy? Some of it. You talk about Spike? No, well, yes, but no. Uh, okay. the, the mayor is who I was thinking of. Ah. The mayor is a major villain of like season four, I believe it is. And he's just like an evil man with evil purposes, but he's super friendly and likable. Like, it's real... <laughs> Almost goofy, almost to the point of being goofy, but then he's like wanting to fulfill satanic rituals. Like it's real, like the the weird like dichotomy makes That's it all super over fun. the place. It's great. What's wrong with satanic rituals? <laughs> <laughs> well, they wanted to eat. They he wanted to summon a giant snake to eat the all the uh, students at the school. <laughs> that seems very specific. Very, yeah, like that's something Spider Man would take care of. Spider-Man? Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's at the school, it's low on the totem pole. Oh, yeah. It was Buffy's senior year. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was season three, because it was her senior year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I said season four, because I was thinking four years in high school, but she starts out as a sophomore. Oh, okay. Sorry, Buffy fans out there. You don't need to tweet us. I got it. <laughs> season three. You got it unlocked. Good season, job. Good season job. four was glory. I... God, would you stop? <laughs> um, I won't. I won't. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop. I really want the director to be a super likable guy that's just a good guy. He's super likable, but he's never trusted. He's never Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, our team is a little mistrusting and scowly at everyone. Yeah. Uh, and so it'd be interesting if he is just a good guy. And they're just been, a straight-up good guy. They have worked so hard to thwart him. But, like... In truth, if you came into this team, you'd probably want to separate these people. They've, they've worked together too much, and they're the reason you were brought in because they weren't doing things 
by protocol or the way they're supposed to be done. So if you're just a good rule-following, protocol-driven agent. Well, wouldn't it make sense, though, if if you came in as new director and you saw this team and you wanted to make divisions because you're bringing in a lot of people, you would want these people who are experts in their field of right. this thing to lead each of the divisions. That would well, make and, sense. And, and they say that. They, they say that that's like, uh, it's not because we're experts. It's because we're... Uh, he wants us to separate us. And yeah. Jim is like, of course it is. What if it's not at all? What if he just legitimately thinks, of course May should lead the strike team division? <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, you need someone to be out there solving all the cases? Colson, Colson and Mac, that's a great team to do yeah. that. You need your your regular, like, people-friendly-looking guys out there to, like, interface with the local law enforcement and everybody else like that. Of course, you're going to want Colson, and you're going to want Mac. Mm-hmm. Mac to kind of defend Colson, and Colson to use all the gadgets in the robot hand. And they're dealing with a bunch of... Um, they're in, the detectives. ...inhuman assets that are out there. Yeah. And they're the ones who brought in most of those assets. So, of, of course. course, you'd want them on that side. Like, so far, the director has not done anything wrong. Our team is just being super, <laughs> like, super... He's doing a good job, guys. Just chill. Yeah, yeah. Just let him do his job. New director, 2016. <laughs> um, just let him do his job. Yeah, it's really a little bit weird that they're going this overboard against him. Like, they're so on, not on his side. Yeah. It's like that that new boss comes in, and you know it's not somebody that got promoted from within. Exactly. So, like, obviously, you're just going to be like, they don't know what they're doing. We got to get somebody in place that knows what they're doing. And you're like, this is McDonald's, man. It doesn't matter. I was thinking about that. Who, it doesn't who, matter at all. Who do you get to be the new director of Shield? I mean, is it an ex Shield agent who left with the fall of Shield? Is it an ex like? I mean, like, there's not. It's, they're not going to get like a Talbot type fellow. Yeah. Um, of course, you had the guys who were around the ATCU, um, but... They're incompetent. They seem incompetent. <laughs> they had Hydra working right there with them, too. Yeah. Like, who do you get? Who is... Who runs S.H.I.E.L.D. better than Coulson? A perfectly programmed robot. <laughs> you're, you're not going to let that go, I'm not letting that go not at all. I'll let that go. Dynamic Man 2016. <laughs> I'm saying new director 2016. Um, <laughs> we're... All right, let's not get political. Let's okay, calm down. Okay, uh, let's watch the promo for the next next episode. I think that seems like a great idea. Let's do friend. that right now. All right. Oh my! I like that 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 promo was for an episode called "Meet the New Boss," and never do you see the new boss in it. No, nope. it's completely talking about Ghost Rider and never crossing the spirit. Yeah, well, he is the new boss. I mean, let's face ah, it. Ah, yeah, he's the new boss-ass character. Yeah. Making plays and, and fighting Daisy, and they have their their whole conflict. And we see more of that awesome Ghost Rider skull, and we see more of the like half-faced, half-Ghost Rider skull going on. Like, yeah, looks like they're going to at least do it one more time. Oh, it's so cool. It is real cool. Oh, I'm so excited about this season and Did the you, show again. Did you see the containment chamber i think it was may looking at a containment chamber and it was just blood on the door no that was uh that was, was uh, it simmons it was simmons yeah okay for some reason i couldn't remember who it was um that was that looked pretty crazy yeah um we saw daisy like f- flying horizontally which was kind of cool yeah it, it looked more like a um uh a vibration boosted jump oh yeah yeah that's all she does but it's 
it was interesting to see her do it the way she did it because she yeah. hasn't done that before. She was launching forward rather than straight up. Yeah, and that was kind of cool. Um, and and we hear we hear Ghost Rider or Robbie Reyes uh, rather say uh, he you sold save his my soul. soul. I told you, girl, I sold mine. I sold it to the devil. To the devil. Uh, sorry, she's totally sorry, Chloe Bennett. That's not how you sound at all. <laughs> um, so so. There's that, but then he also says, uh, you know who I am, and that's a problem that's got to go away. So it seems like Robbie Reyes is, is willing to do what he has to do to keep his secret. He's that anti-hero that we're talking about. Yeah. But, uh, well, see, that's the thing. is like, you think about other anti-heroes, they still aren't going to kill the good guys. And as far as we know, Quake's a good guy as of now. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Well, yeah, she's she's knocking over banks and and destroying bridges, but it's That's to, true. it's to fight the watchdogs and, the, and eliminate their escape their escape routes. She's closer to the anti-hero that we're used to, and he's more of like not necessarily a villain, but he's a good guy that does bad things to get the good going. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he does. I I would like to see Quake and Ghost Rider kind of form of friendship and i think they definitely will by the end of the season but i would like to see that happen sooner than later so that like ghost rider just becomes kind of like her and ghost rider work together a little bit because i want to see it from his side of things you know yeah i don't want it to, i want to identify with him yeah i want to i, I want to see more of robbie reyes in his life and why how he why he ticks you know yeah how like why he why does he flip the keys <laughs> I love that they focused on that right at the beginning of the promo. It was like, click with the key, flip. Yeah. Oh, I love that that's their focus for him. Is that, a, that really cool, almost chain sound. Yeah, that's true. It is almost chain-ish. Yeah, I liked that a lot. It's real creepy. It's real, like, just serial killer, stalker, kind of creepy sound as he walks around. It's just, yep. I am creeped out. And it's Good and job, it's 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 Mr. such Ryder. it's such uh, infrequent intervals that it has that that ominous feeling to it, rather than it just being like a thing that he does where he's like click 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 with the keys. It's like right. shink shink. Like oh no no, I don't like it when things are slow and <laughs> scary and creepy like that from the dark. That's right. That's why I like <sighs> pop music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> so uh i don't really i don't know that we have much else to talk about no, as far I think as this about week it for this week um thank you guys so much for listening we always have a blast coming and talking to you guys every week and we're back for season three of we, the podcast season and we're gonna four be of agents of shield season three of MCU cast. We're going to be on every week now we're back to our every week schedule and next week I don't honestly know how we're going to do it, but we are going to bring you all of the episodes of Luke Cage. Not uh, all at once, but not all at once, once a day, again, like we do. Like we do. It's going to be a little crazy. Until October 9th, I, we'll have to talk off cast, because I have... Those first nine days of October are going to be... Hell. Cr- like, like, just not talking about the cast at all. I have the busiest, busiest nine days I've had probably ever. Okay. So maybe if we can get together one day and just knock out as many as we can. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Start early and just go for it. Yeah. Just crank them out. It's going to be interesting. 
Um, but we'll bring them to you guys. Even even if we have to get a guest host, one or two of them, uh, we'll bring them to you guys. Oh we're, yeah, we're gonna have Charles Gustick on the first one. Awesome, at least awesome. Charles McFall. What up, Charles? What up? Anyway, all right, guys. Thank you for hanging out. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Until next time, true believers. Mm-hmm.